0: All right, with that, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. Would you stand with me for the reading of God's word? The writer to the Hebrews says to you and I, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Let's pray together. Father, for these words, I pray that you would open our hearts today, help us to understand their power and their meaning. Thank you for the last 25 years. You have been so, so good to us. We thank you for your mercies, your plan, and for your son. In his name we pray, amen. You can be seated. This morning's message is entitled, the unshakable kingdom, the unshakable kingdom. You saw this picture briefly a while ago. I like to use it every few years for one reason or another. You see, I already, Cherry's doing all the work there, and I'm holding the baby. That's Gabrielle. Gabrielle's with us this morning. She lives in Bedford now, but she came over, and uh, she was much uh, tinier then. And uh, I don't know how old she was, but this is around uh, early, may, well, may spring of 1999 would be, uh, no? Uh, the fall of 1999, it wouldn't be the spring. Uh, anyway, it's somewhere, somewhere a long time ago. So uh, uh, good days back then, my hair was so thick and beautiful. Anyway, uh, before. You know, you don't appreciate things until they're gone. Family, friends, hair, that sort of thing. The unshakable kingdom. I love Hebrews. What a beautiful book. It, it, it was written in the midst of a difficult time they were having because there were those blasphemers who come into the church and they, they kept trying to pull people away, particularly Jewish converts. And they were saying to them, Jesus was okay, but he wasn't that great. And so the the book in its entirety is written as a defense of the faith and, and a, a defense of Jesus Christ and in the first ten chapters we see those great doctrinal truths that are, are are and how deep they are in Hebrews about Jesus being supreme in chapter one to the angels in chapter 3 supreme to Moses and the patriarchs and the supremacy of Christ continued through in in chapter 6 through through 9 we see how Jesus was our prophet our priest and our king and he entered into the temple in heaven, the real temple. And uh, if through his uh, sacrifice, he was not only prophet, priest and king, but he was also the sacrificial lamb and through his sacrifice and through his blood, we were redeemed. And then in chapter 10, throughout the rest of Hebrews, it tells us what to do with that deep theological understanding of who Jesus is. And I love the Bible for this. This is the doctrine, this is what I want you to do. Not that difficult. The Bible applies itself in a beautiful way, in a very meaningful, powerful, simple way that we can understand. And so that's where we are. In Hebrews chapter 12, therefore, he's building on an argument and I could spend a month talking about what's before the therefore, uh, as he's in context of this is what we should do in response. But I'm gonna read chapter 12, verse 28, if you'll look there with me. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and also worship God or and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. The first thing I want you to notice there, he says, um, uh, we are receiving a kingdom And you understand the kingdom of God was ushered in through Jesus Christ, his death, burial, and resurrection. But he says it this way, we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What does that mean? Well, you think about the church in the first century. So many nations and kingdoms had already come and gone that were world superpowers at one time, seemingly invincible, and yet they were only a faint memory. They were diminished or many of them were gone altogether. If you think about those kingdoms, kingdoms like Babylon and Assyria and the Persian Empire and so many others, their kingdoms were shaken by wars, invasion, disease, and their cities were often destroyed completely by earthquakes. And there was nothing they could do. The mightiest kingdom at the time could not withstand some of these great earthquakes in our history their kingdoms were shaken. As you know, earthquakes can be powerful even today. It can destroy a huge city in a matter of seconds. So anytime the the Bible talks about a kingdom being shaken, it's usually talking about pestilence, war, or literally earthquakes shaking it to nothing. All those years, all those centuries, building, 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 and an empire crashes down in minutes. So he says, we are inheriting a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Theologians say that the writer of the Hebrews is actually alluding to a passage in Haggai chapter two through the prophet Haggai. If you'll turn there with me in Haggai chapter two, verse six, keep your place here, we'll come right back. But this is what he says in Haggai chapter six verse two, back in the Old Testament. Chapter uh, chapter two, verse six. This is what the Lord Almighty says. Listen to this. In a little while I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry land. I will shake all nations. And the desired of all nations will come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord Almighty. The silver is mine and the gold is mine. In other words, God says, I own everything, declares the Lord Almighty. The glory of this present house will be greater than the glory of the former house, says the Lord Almighty. And in this place, I will grant peace, declares the Lord Almighty. Now, you want to notice time and time again, God is referring to himself as the Lord Almighty because he is the Lord Almighty. This is God speaking. And he makes that description of himself in his name and in his title, he is the Lord Almighty. And then he starts off this, if you go back to the first, up, up to the top line, it says, this is what the Lord Almighty says. In a little while, now you have to understand when God says in a little while, it may be different than our little while. God is gonna give you the desires of your heart in a little while. <laughs> and so we're impatient, and little while might mean something different to God, but God says at some point, not too long in the future, I'm gonna do this. In a little while, I will once more shake the heavens and the earth, the sea and the dry ground. God's gonna shake everything. But that's what he's saying, there's nothing left. The earth and the heavens, the sea and the dry ground there's gonna be uh, shaking everywhere. <clears throat> that old famous Jerry Lee Lewis line, whole lot of shaking going on, he has no idea. <laughs> God says everything is shakable. And I'm going to shake it all. The stars in the sky, the, 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 the land, and even the sea, everything is going to be shaken. The kingdoms, he says in verse seven, I will shake all nations. And then he says this, and the desired of all nations will come. This is how he's going to shake all nations in this term, the desired of all nations. Do you know what the desired of all nations is a reference to? It's a reference to Jesus Christ both Jewish theologians and Christian theologians believe this is a reference to the coming Messiah. This is a prophecy and a promise of God that he's going to send a Messiah and through this Messiah with such power, God will shake the heavens and the earth. When he talks about all this shaking happening, it's a reference to what happens when Christ comes. So when Christ died on the cross, do you know the first thing that happened when he breathed his last breath? There was a tremendous earthquake. And so God says, I'm going to shake everything. But in light of that, we're back to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28, where he says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that what? That cannot be shaken. Now, what can be shaken? Everything else. There's only one thing in heaven and earth that cannot be shaken. And that is the kingdom of God of which you and I are a part as Christians under Christ. We are receiving that a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Do you know what that means? That means that all, <clears throat> that all kingdoms in the first century met their demise. Their cities were destroyed, their temples crumbled by fire, earthquakes or time, their religions abandoned and are now seen as fairy tales. They were shaken. That means that all of our beautiful uh, U.S. buildings, our U.S. Capitol building and the White House will eventually meet their demise in time. They will not last forever. That means that the Eiffel Tower and the Statue of Liberty, as majestic as they are, they will eventually fall. That means the Dome of the Rock on the Temple Mound in Jerusalem and the Taj Mahal in India will both crumble and fall. We, however are receiving a kingdom through Christ that is unshakable. When everything else is gone, that means that unlike any other kingdom, nation, monument, or shrine, the kingdom of God through Christ cannot be shaken. Do you understand what that means? That means that although Throughout the centuries, the apostles, missionaries, and Christians by the millions have been killed for their faith. The kingdom of God remains strong and only gets stronger. It is invincible and eternal because it cannot be shaken. It cannot be destroyed, killed, or wiped out. That means that the current culture in our own nation that is anti-Christian will not and cannot stop us. It will not discourage us will not cancel us because the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. That means that places like North Korea, communist China and repressive Muslim nations like Iran and Afghanistan, radical Hindus in India and radical far left atheists in our own nation will do nothing, they can do nothing to destroy, to censor or to to diminish the church of Jesus Christ because this kingdom cannot be shaken. That means that whatever struggles you have, whatever you have or don't have in the bank, whatever your frailties, your disappointments, your limitations in life, whatever prognosis the doctor gives you, whatever grief your employer heaps upon you, whatever disappointments or challenges you may encounter in life, we will overcome because the kingdom of God cannot be shaken. A young man named, <clears throat> forgive me, I'll do my best on the pronunciation, a young man named Adweli Muhammad uh, descended from a long line of devout Muslims. He was from Somalia, where he says, <clears throat> to be a Somali means to be Muslim. He was taught that Islam was in his blood. But in 1993, while in college, he began questioning Islam and comparing the Quran to the Bible. The more Abdwali read the Bible, the more he fell in love with it. After many discussions with a Christian friend, he put his trust and his faith in Jesus Christ. When other students and faculty learned that he had left Islam, they considered Abdwali dangerous to their faith, and he began to be persecuted. A wonderful Christian organization called The Voice of the Martyrs, and they have a wonderful website, by the way, has a yearly celebration for those who have given their life for their faith. And they call it the Day of the Christian Martyr. This year, 2023, they showcased Abdwali Ahmed as an example of the unshakable kingdom of God. Watch this clip.
1: Abduwali Ahmed was a student attending an Islamic school when he came to a life-changing realization. The answer he was looking for wasn't Mohammed. It was Jesus.
0: I was brought up to believe that Islam is in my blood,
1: in my thinking, my heart, and everything. But in the other way, God has a personal plan for me. And despite pressure and persecution, he enrolled in a Bible college and immediately started preaching the gospel.
0: I was persecuted. I was set away. Then I was beaten up. I was set away from home, All also the things were done to me. My own life was in danger.
1: Abduwali got married, became a family man, and his ministry began to grow. And on February 7th, 2013, he was gunned down by three assassins on a street in northern Kenya. didn't understand their commitment to the gospel were shocked at his wife Helen's response to the murder of her husband. We have a triumphant God and we know he's going to triumph in this situation. Long before he was murdered, Abduwali showed that he would pay any price for his obedience to Christ. Almost immediately following his conversion, he was beaten. At one point, a mob of 40 people came to his mother's house seeking to kill him. He escaped and later said, They were like a cat, and I was a mouse in my own hometown. He moved to Niger for three years and focused his ministry on the Tuareg tribe, and then overwhelmed with compassion for his own Somali people. He moved to Garissa, 95 miles from the failed state and terrorist hotbed of Somalia. In Garissa. The threats began again almost immediately. A mob of Muslims came to Abdwali and Helen's house with gas cans, intending to burn it down. When we received death threats, Helen would say later, we'd pray together and that would give us peace because God said he would be with us. Finally, more than two decades after putting his faith in Christ, three assassins shot him to death as he talked with another pastor in the center of Garissa. Abduweli's ministry was powerful. Returning to Garissa years later, Helen was surprised to learn that Abduweli's reputation had spread. She was told that every Somali knows about his witness. His influence is still felt throughout the entire Somali Christian community. We have found Somali Christians that have been inspired by his story all over East Africa, and even in Europe and the United States. On this Day of the Christian Martyr, we celebrate the life and ministry of men and women around the world like Abdweli. In spite of threats, persecution, and even in the face of death, they do not run away. They joyfully embrace risk and danger to share the good news of Jesus Christ.
0: Now for that young man and millions like him <clears throat> they were victimized but they were not victims they were victors because the kingdom of God cannot be shaken that's what he's trying to get across to us when he gives those brief words of description of the kingdom in Hebrews you understand the depth of what he's saying to you and I the significance of that he knew that he could lose his life for Christ but he was unafraid because he knew God's kingdom was unshakable. So what is our part in this unshakable kingdom? Well, he actually tells us in the book of Hebrews, you may have noticed it's not easy, but it is very simple. He says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, here's our part, let us be thankful. And so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So the first thing he tells us to do is simply to be thankful. It may be the worst sin that any Christian commits that God blesses us, redeems us, loves us, and gives us a path in life, and we are unthankful. Be thankful. I'll begin. (laughs) I'll go first. I cannot begin to tell you how blessed I am. When I was 10, I realized my need for Christ in he came into my life and redeemed me. When I was 18, he called me to be a pastor and led me into ministry. In 1998, in the summer of 1998, I had no wife, no family, no church to pastor. And in a matter of months, God blessed me generously with all of those needs. Only days after my wedding, I received the call from this church to interview for the pastorate here. Cherry and I, as newlyweds, came in view of a call uh, just a few weeks later. A few months later, we learned that Cherry was expecting our first child, Gabrielle, and then three children, and 25 years later, we're still here, and I am blessed beyond measure. I have no words. I don't deserve it. And often I just step back and watch God working here. And I know Cherry and our church staff feels this way. God has allowed us to be a part of something that matters, part of an unshakable kingdom in Azle, Texas. I'm gonna show you three pictures. I I had 300, (laughs) but I'm gonna show you three just briefly. This is a a worship service in our, 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 our sanctuary. I don't know what the event was. We had burgundy carpet and I led them, forgive me, to put in mauve shades uh, in the windows. I thought that was the bomb back in the day. I am in the back standing in the doorway speaking to someone up on the uh, sound booth and that is John Rogers who gave his testimony a little while ago. I'd forgotten about this, but remembered one of the first things that I did when I got a staff was I, <laughs> I had us all buy matching staff shirts and there I am in my uh, denim uh, staff shirt and John is in his matching staff shirt. I, I need to apologize for him, to him for that. But back in the day, next one. <clears throat> By the way, if you go back just for a second, the ceiling there is asbestos. <laughs> And uh, I know that because it started falling down by the time we moved out of there to, to come into this service or, the, or this worship uh, service. But uh, it, was, um, it was very old. You can't see it hardly than the picture, but just old memories. All right, next one. This is uh, seemingly insignificant, but it is one of the most important moments in the history of our church. <clears throat> what happened was, After my first year here, and God was blessing the church, I began to realize that the facilities that we were in just were not meeting our needs anymore. It was too small and a number of things, it was just old. And and, uh, I really felt God leading us to buy this property across the street. Of course, in order to buy this property, we had to get a loan, we didn't have any money. And it was a substantial step forward for our church. And there were people who opposed it, not a lot, but there were people who were against the, the buying of the property. And so when we voted to buy the property, we'd done something we'd never done. We, we had a banquet, and we'd had banquets before, but they were all potluck. Daryl and Lisa, y'all remember this as well, and, and the others that were that were there. And this we'd never done this before. We had a banquet at the fanciest restaurant around, and that was Vance Gobby's between here and Lake Worth. What an awesome Uh, place that was, and we got together, and and we all held hands in a big circle, and I know we were all thinking, how on earth are we gonna pay for all this? But it was a step forward. It was genuinely a step of faith. And that is, we took a step that we we knew, we knew we could not do it without God's help. And so it it was truly a a moment in time. Now here on the right, this Connie Lash, she's the one in the pulpit committee who called me on the phone. Uh, That was the first voice of First Baptist Church that I heard. Uh, The young man behind her again is Wes O'Donnell. He keeps showing up in all of our our, uh, pictures and there's Crescia, his wife. Uh, beside him, uh, who who was here in the early service. And then the, the blonde right beside her is Angie Rogers, John Rogers, who gave his testimony earlier. Uh, Angie is his wife. And Angie was here in the first service. Oh, John's still here. I keep looking back there, John. Um, I'm glad you're still here. And that's his wife. And then um, uh, this is Denise right here, Denise Crawford. And then... Uh, Um, this one right here in the red shirt and the denim blue, that is uh, Courtney. Is that Courtney? Now she, Courtney married uh, a boy who came here named Russ Price and his parents are now faithful members. And his dad is uh, Archie Price, one of our deacons. And so at the time I'd never met Archie, Archie or or his, his uh, wife or her parents, or, and, uh, and then there they are, how about that? And so anyway, uh, th- uh, next picture, is there another one? Oh yes, so this is the groundbreaking. We're, we're, <laughs> we're not thinking anything about churches or, or um, anything like that because we were all freezing. It was February and I know it's hot now but Texas can get cold and it was just frigid on that day. So we, we all galloped out there in our coats and then we stood at the, uh, the uh, shovels and then we ran back across the street as quick as we could because we were all freezing. And you'll see, this is uh, uh, Bill Smith. He was our associate pastor at the time. Betty Lancaster, one of the, one of the cornerstone members of our church who was a wonderful woman. She was paralyzed. Uh, on half of her body or more could not walk, but she was insistent on standing for this picture. There is our associate. I mean, our our, was our association missionary at the time, Tom Law. Beside him is Darrell Waldock, who's here this morning, right there on the second row. And then the 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 cowboy beside him with the long hair, that was Jim Porterfield. Now Jim came five years ago and gave his testimony for our twentieth anniversary, and he was there right beside me. If you can see her uh, with her little head sticking out, that's Gabrielle again, my daughter and um, I, I could go on and on, but what a wonderful day that was. All right, that's a blessing. We see God moving, have for the last 25 years. What he does through our church is more than worship services and Bible studies and sports programs and fellowships, although those are wonderful and important. God is changing lives here, literally, and I'm hopeful that he is being glorified here. I see fruit, kingdom fruit, not fake fruit or pretend fruit, but genuine fruit in the kingdom being harvested here. I feel gratitude because I get to be a part of it. This morning's baptism is a perfect example. I'm privileged in, because I get to be the one doing the baptisms. And all of you, you lead them to the Lord, and then I get to baptize them. This baptism this morning was our 41st baptism this year alone. And so God is bearing fruit here. I have the best staff in the world. We couldn't be more different, and I mean that. And <laughs> we drive each other crazy. But everybody does their part uh, in the ministries, in the discipleship, and the mission work, and the worship services, and the outreach, and the fellowships, it all gets done and we have a lot of fun doing it. There's never a harsh word spoken among us. Um, so I thank God for our staff. Of course, I have to say this. It would be just horrible for me not to say it. I thank God for my wife, for Terry, and for my kids. You don't know what it's like to be a kid of a pastor. And God, again, I know I shared this with you. He desired to give me unlimited sermon illustrations. And so he led me to have three children. And they've been gracious and patient with me most of the time with those illustrations. And so I want to thank them. When I interview staff, one of the first things that I tell them about their job is that our primary function is to recruit, train, and develop an army of volunteers. Without your willingness to volunteer, these ministries would not be possible. In a church, bearing fruit is not a solo act. It requires a multitude of faithful people using their gifts and working tirelessly week after week for the glory of God. And you do that beautifully. So I thank God for you. What you do here matters. And I would say to my family, what God does through us here matters. What you've done in the last, uh, however long you've been here, uh, for Cherry and I, 25 years, and for the rest of you, a little less, Matters. What you've done here matters. I know our kids have worked in the media booth and have manned the cameras and so many different things over the years. On a personal note, Jerry and I want to thank God for each of you as a church family. We are far from perfect. Mostly me. <laughs> or especially me. You have allowed us to learn and to grow here and sometimes you've even allowed us to make mistakes. And you've shown us great patience. I heard the old story that on their 50th wedding anniversary, a couple summed up the reason for their long and happy marriage. The husband said, I have tried never to be selfish. After all, there is no I in the word marriage. The wife said, for my part, I have never corrected my husband's spelling. (laughs) So thank you for overlooking the little things. Seriously, most pastors don't stay 25 years because after the first five or so, their congregations want them to move on. So thank you for being gracious to us and allowing us to stay here this long. And if there are those of you here who have been wanting me to move on, thanks for not saying anything. <laughs> As a pastor, I am compelled to say this. I'm thankful for the shocking brilliance of God's word. And I mean that. What a powerful book. It has sustained me, it challenges me, it excites me, and it gives me direction for the path ahead. And it's a good path. After 25 years here, every week, when I sit down to prepare a sermon, I think to myself, after all the messages they've heard, what could I possibly still say in a sermon that would make it any different than last week and make any difference in their lives? Then I open my Bible, read only a few verses and think, well, there it is. Why didn't I think of that? The Bible is power. I don't know how people get through life without it. I could go on, but our passage this morning says, therefore, since we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe. So he tells us to be thankful, and the second command is to worship. Thanksgiving and worship go hand in hand. Worship that is sincere. Worship worship that focuses on God and not ourselves, and that's why I want the theme of today to be on God and his goodness in our life. I found a hymn And I know I like to quote hymns and most of them are a couple of hundred years old. This particular hymn is what we would call a new hymn. It was written in 1984, but for a hymn, that's pretty new. (laughs) And you may have not heard it. It's called Name of All Majesty. And it goes like this. Name of All Majesty. Fathomless Mystery. King of the ages, by angels adored, power and authority, splendor and dignity, bow to his mastery. Jesus is Lord. Savior of Calvary, costliest victory, darkness defeated and Eden restored, born as a man to die, nailed on a cross on high, cold in a grave to lie, Jesus is Lord source of all sovereignty, light, immortality, life everlasting and heaven assured. So with the ransom, we praise him eternally. Christ in his majesty, Jesus is Lord. Thanksgiving, worship. These are the building blocks of our ministries. They have been for the last 25 years. And I know whether I'm alive or not, in the 25 years to come. I'm excited for that. Will you join me as God leads his unshakable kingdom here? Pray with me. Father, thank you so much for this passage. The passage in Haggai, they are powerful words. We do not fully comprehend your kingdom but we know it is amazing and everlasting and cannot be shaken. And we take comfort in that because we live in a world that's shaken all the time. Everywhere we go, everything we do, everyone we meet, everything that we see and hear and experience will come and go. It will all pass away, but your kingdom remains. Thank you for letting us be a part of it. So Father for the last 25 years we want to come to you today in the name of your son and say thank you. For myself, for Cherry, and our kids, we want to say thank you. You have blessed us so richly. As you're praying, no one's looking around. I want to give you a moment to worship with thanksgiving. For God in his unshakable kingdom and his blessings in your life. Maybe you want to come and kneel and just say, God, thank you. Thank you for the last 25 years. Maybe you want to thank him for the 25 years to come. Maybe you want to join with First Baptist and say, this is going to be my church home. Just come up and say, Pastor, we'd like to join. Or if God's been leading in your life and you want to give your life to Christ and you have not done that, today's the day. Do that. Don't wait. Come up and say, Pastor, I want to... I want to give my life to Jesus. Would you be willing to do that today? While you're praying, no one's looking around. Would you stand? As you stand and as you pray, right now, God is giving an invitation, an opportunity for you. Right now, as we pray, you come. Well, thanks for joining us.